Our sacred text this morning will come from Psalms 34. It was read in our call to worship this morning in its entirety. And I'm just going to look at the one scripture that my argument is centered around. And that's verse 8 of Psalms 34. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. This morning we will use for theme, taste this. You may be seated. I got my theme from my son when he was a little boy in a high chair in, in a restaurant where we were in and uh, there was a little girl that was walking by, and I don't know if she was upset about something, but she was walking by with her mother. So Jarius noticed that he was eating something good at the table, so he just grabbed what he was eating as the girl went by. He handed her a piece of it. In other words, he was saying, taste this, and you'll feel better. So that's what we want you to do this morning, to taste this. So you will feel better. So anyway, when we look at our lesson text and you're talking about taste, scientists say that there's only four things that we can taste. It's either sweet, it's either sour, it's either bitter, or it's either salty. You have no other taste than those. But sometimes the surroundings would kind of fool us about the taste. Sometimes we may see something that we may think it tastes good and it doesn't. Or we may see something that we may think it would really gonna taste good and it don't taste good at all. So sometimes these smells and things fool us, but the real ingredient is in those four things that we taste. So we have to come up to this Thanksgiving time. And if you don't mind me sharing my testimony, my Thanksgiving testimony this morning, because uh, I'm truly thankful to God. Some years ago, there was seven or eight boys that went on a camping trip in Tuskegee, Alabama. And there was one of our young men by the name of Miley and he had a proclivity to steal. So we were playing and Miley decided that he saw this boat in this man yard as we were out in the Tallapoosa River. So he wanted to go up there and get this boat out of this man's backyard and bring it down in the, in the river. So as we was gliding down, all of us, eight of us in this boat gliding down the river, in this stolen boat. We decided to dive off the boat into the river. But as we were at the shore, they started diving, but as you dive, as you dove off into the river, the boat went further out into the deep water. So uh, I had a friend that was in the boat with me. His name was Calvin. He, was my friend because uh, he wasn't very coordinated and nobody would ever pick him to be on a team 
But I always kept him close to me because he was my friend. So we got ready to, to time for us to dive off the boat. There was nobody left in the boat but Calvin and myself. So Calvin dove into the water and I dove in after him. And swimming to the shore, it took all of my energy and strength to make it to the shore. But I noticed that Calvin had made it. So I turned around and looked and I told Miley, who was a great swimmer, that Calvin was out there fighting the water. So he dove in the water and went out and grabbed Calvin and Calvin put this hold on him and he went up and down and then he fought it and then he came back and he said, I can't get him. So all seven of us stood on the banks and watched Calvin come up and down out of that water. And the last time he came up, it seems like he looked at all of us and he went back down and he didn't come up. So we ran and got a man passing by in a wholesome bread truck and uh, he took off all his clothes and he dove in the water and this was about maybe an hour later and he brought Calvin up and laid him on the side of the bank. I never forget because his skin was so soft that the rocks just tore his skin open. But Calvin was dead. And uh, as we drove back to Montgomery in the van, our scoutmaster was so upset because we had gone while he was sleeping. There was no cell phones at that time. And everybody had heard that one of the scouts got drowned in Tuskegee. They, they didn't say which one. So every parent was waiting at Beulah Baptist Church to see which one of their sons would not get out of the boat. And uh, once again, I was so distraught that I was the last one to get out of the boat, get out of the van. When I got out of the van, I saw Mrs. Dacus, that was Calvin's mother. She had a look on her face that I would never forget because there was no cabin to get out. My mother grabbed me and embraced me and we went home and stayed in my room for a week until it was time to go to the funeral. But in my room for that week, I realized that there was something that as I was swimming toward the bank, there was some kind of force that got a hold to me that carried me beyond my ability to swim. And I was able to make it to the bank in safety. Uh, but it was so many years that I could not get that thought out of my mind with all of us standing there and looking at Calvin. I guess there was a lot of things we could have done. We could have gotten a boat and gone back out there and given them a palace. A lot of things that we think about now, Monday morning quarterback. But it was a sad day, but there was something that I had to come to grips with uh, in order to go to his funeral. But every time Thanksgiving come, because it happened just a week before Thanksgiving, I often think about Calvin. And a couple of years ago, we went home and we were at a party and all of his brothers and sisters surrounded me and they wanted me to tell about the story. 
They had never heard how he drowned. They just had heard that he drowned. So uh, this morning, when uh, we look at our lesson text, this morning I would teach that we should praise the Lord in good times and in bad times. When we look at our lesson text this morning, my first point would be praise the Lord no matter what happens, verses 1 through 3. My next point would be a cry for help. Praise my cry for help, verses 4 through 5. And my third point would be a cry answered, verses 6 through 7. And my last point is through experience, verse 8. I always remember, because it was during the Thanksgiving season, that when the preacher preached Calvin's funeral, he kept on talking about being thankful. What do you have to be thankful for when you've just lost your best friend? When you're a 12-year-old boy and you just watch your best friend drown, how can you sing praises in a strange land? How can you be happy and celebrate the festivities of Thanksgiving? when you have such a horrific situation that has happened in your life. And in my analysis of going into ministry, they say that this situation was one of the most ones that led me into ministry. That week that I spent in my room talking to God, asking God, why Calvin? Why not me? There's never any answers to the word why from God. But I think when I get to heaven and I'm going, that I'm going to ask him why. Did he take my friend at 12 years of age? And I could get up some mornings and I was, hadn't even come out to play and Kevin would be sitting on my back porch waiting to go and shoot some marbles or something. So anyway, when we look at our lesson text this morning, David is running for his life. And David is running for his life, and he, he ran over and got caught up with the Philistines and the king Abimelech, and uh, he was going to hide out with the Philistines. And all of a sudden, they looked at David, and they said, hmm, you're the one that killed Goliath. So David found out that Abimelech had found out that he was the one that killed Goliath. So David once again started running for his life. Pay attention. Now King Saul of Israel is already looking for him to kill him. And now Abimelech is looking for him. So David runs to Adullam and, and, and he finds a cage, a cave. And he goes into this cave and he finds 400 other men who are distraught and depressed and running for their lives. And they make David their captain. Now David say, how can I be your captain? And I'm depressed and I'm running. And all of you are depressed. How can I encourage these men who are depressed? That's when David went over in the corner in the cage and wrote this 34th song. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
His praises shall continue to be in my mouth. David said, I will bless the Lord. And if you read it up here, it says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. It said, remember now, you don't see, it says, for everything. It says, in everything. No matter what you're in, you can praise him. No matter what you're going through, you can praise him. No matter what you're in, if you're in a situation where you're on your way to chemo, you can give him praises. If you're on your way from getting drowned, if you're on your way rather from, from losing your job and, and losing your hope, you can give praises. Whatever you're in, it's a, in everything, give thanks. Can you do that? Can you give thanks? You see, the, the, the problem with praising God is that it runs the devil away. You cannot praise God and allow the devil to creep up on you. Then it says, praise him. It says, and at all times give praises. His praises shall continually to be in my mouth. You know, the thing about God praises being in your mouth. You can't get your cuss words together. If God's praises is in your mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, you can't slander your neighbor if his praises is in your mouth. You can't talk about folk if his praises is in your mouth. Are you out there? If you got a mouth full of praises, you can't call up folk and talk about the pastor. Am I right about it? If praises is in your mouth. Oh, y'all don't hear me. You, 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 you can't do that at the same time. If faith is in your mind, you can't have fear there. But if praises is in your mouth, you can't say bad things about folks. So I said, I will bless the Lord. No matter if I'm in the valley, no matter if I'm on the mountaintop, David was telling these people, no matter if I'm in this cave and all these people looking to kill me, he said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praises will continually to be in my mouth. So these men who are so discouraged, these men that are so bowed down, these men that are so depressed, they're looking at David. And they say, what, what, what is he talking about? You know, we ain't got nothing to praise God for. We're running for our life. And then he says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He, he said, in my deep, in my sanctified soul, he said, I'm going to continue to give God to. He said, but I'm not going to boast on David. Because David ain't nothing to boast about. He said, my boast is going to be on the Lord. I'm going to exalt his name. I'm going to exalt his name. He said, and David just sitting there praising God and all these men in this cave looking at, at him. So, so David looked at him and said, the humble, if you hear me thereof. If you realize where your power is coming from, you ought to praise him too. If you realize what Thanksgiving is all about. So, so what this scripture is saying here, if you are pressed down, and if you're around other people who are pressed down, and you start to praise in God, you start to lifting up God around people, and people will get lifted up because you are lifted up. But if you come there depressed, if you come there burdened down, you may have an opportunity during this Thanksgiving holiday to give praises to God in front of some folks that may not be ready to hear that or they may be depressed. 
But David told them, say, listen, the humble, talking about these people who are broken and disappointed. He said, when you realize that you are disconnected from God, you are going to be incomplete and you are going to be disconnected and you are going to be depressed. But you have to be connected to God. And then he said, oh, magnify the Lord. You've seen the magnifying glass. Some of us, when we get a little older, we have to use that magnifying glass. (laughs) One Sunday, Shirley had to teach Sunday school with a magnifying glass. (laughs) Oh, magnify the Lord. That's what David was telling these men who were so depressed and burned down. He said, magnify the Lord. In other words, make the Lord bigger than any problem that you may have. Make the Lord bigger than any giant that may be in your life. He said, oh, magnify the Lord. Make him big. Let the Lord be bigger than any disease or any sickness or any problems in your family, anything you have. He said, and David said, let us, all these folks that's pressed down. He said, let us exalt his name, for his name is above every name. And David went on to tell him, he said, I sought the Lord. And he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. David said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. That's that's a blessing, isn't it? Have you ever sought the Lord, and he heard you? Have you ever been pressed down, and you needed God to bless you? And then, then he said, after he sought the Lord, he delivered me from all my fears. You know, fear that's within you can depress you. But, but physical fears are only temporary. But fears that's in your mind. One morning, my wife and I was walking, and there was a coyote that was coming down the same street, but he was coming in the, our direction. <laughs> so we said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, let's keep on walking. So the coyote decided to get on the other side of the street because the coyote was just as afraid of us as we were of him. So as the coyote passed by, there was no more physical danger. But see, physical dangers are just temporarily. But dangers that are in your mind, fears that you have, fear turned inside, turns into anxiety. Fear that press you, fear that can make you sick, fear that can press you down, fear that can take you off God's program, fear that can keep you from doing the things of God. These things, this is what, this is what David is saying. But, but when you give praise, you, you, you can't be pressed down and you can't have these fears if you continue to give praises. If you want to get rid of your fear, start praising God. If there's something that you fear, you start praising God. If you feel driving on an expressway, you start driving and just praising God as you're going down. Pretty soon you forgot all about your fear. Am I right about it? I sought the Lord and he heard me. And then they say, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. You know, it's something about a person that's got the joy of the Lord in them. You can see it in their face. He said, he said I looked at their face, and, and, and they were light. In other words, their, their countenance was bright. They, they had a smile on their face. They weren't pressed down. Are you all out there? When, when people are so pressed down, and their faces are all tore up, and, 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 and you know, they'll, they'll press you down. When you go in there and see somebody all worried and toe down and messed up and tangled up and tied up, acting like they ain't got no hope, and there you are with a smile on your face because the goodness of God yeah. 
the goodness of God. And then he said, this poor man, David is going back to talk about himself now. He said, this poor man, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David is talking about himself, calling himself the poor man. He said, he's poor because he had no influential friends that he could send and, and get Abimelech off of him. He had no power for buddies he could send to keep Saul from hunting after him. David said, I'm poor because I'm running. I don't have any money. The only thing I have on my side is almighty God, but realizing that when you got God, you're not poor. Right. But, but David is letting us know. And then, then he says, the angel of the Lord encamped round about them that feared him and delivered them. And in other words, sometimes when, you're, when, when you pray to God in the morning, he dispatched these angels, and the angels are all around you. I was talking to my son the other, other day. He's in Dublin, Ireland, playing basketball, and I told him, I said, listen, Jerry, don't worry, because the Lord is going to protect you. He's going to dispatch his angels, and they're going to be around you, and he's going to walk with you and talk with you and keep you. He's going to keep you when you fly those eight hours all across the ocean. He's going to keep you, and he's going to bring you back home safe and sound so you don't have to worry about anything. So he was just listening. He said, I know that, Dad. I know. He always tell you he know that. <laughs> That's his word. I know that, Daddy. I know that. Like, you have to tell me I know it all right. In other words, that's enough. <laughs> I just want you to know that the angels are going to camp around about you. The angels are going to keep you. And then he let us know that. And then in antiquity, you know, when the angel appeared in that burning bush and spoke to Moses, that angel turned out to be Jesus Christ. The pre-incarnated Jesus Christ. So they say even sometimes here, the, the, the pre-incarnated, that sometimes when the angels appear, God has dispatched them. And David is letting us know that sometimes the Lord is just walking with us. And we don't realize that Lord is that accident that you didn't have. You, you, you had a terrible uh, uh, credit score, but you still got the house. You didn't study for the test, but you still passed. What, 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 what you talking about? That God has dispatched his angels that'll take you beyond your problem. And then he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that's trusted in the Lord. You, you see, David could say this because, see, you, in, in order for you, this comes from experience. Those of you that experience the goodness of the Lord. You see, there are a lot of people that have an intellectual understanding of God. But in order for you to really realize, you see, God is not something that, that, that you can explain. I see so many people trying to argue over the Bible. You, you can't explain God. And if you go around folks during the holidays, you can't explain God to unbelieving folks. People have to experience God. Oh, you have to taste and see. My wife is a good cook, and sometimes, you know, I just be in the kitchen when she be cooking. I just be tasting and seeing that the food is good. Sometimes in order for you to understand how good God is, you're going to have to have been through something to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't believe me, you can look at Jeremiah in Isaiah 38 when they had told Jeremiah, I mean, Hezekiah, rather, when he had told Hezekiah that he was going to die. Hezekiah, when they told him and said, listen, you're you going to die. In other words, Hezekiah was in hospice. 
Hezekiah was going to die, but, but he turned toward the wall. And he, he said, look, I'm one of your servants. I've been faithful. And then the Lord sent the word to him that, that you're going to live. I'm going to give you 15 more years to live. And then he started praising God. But one thing he said in his praises, as you read on down in that 38th chapter, he said, listen, dead folks can't praise the Lord like I'm going to do. You can only praise the Lord if you are alive. So Hezekiah realized that the Lord had given him new life. So he was going to praise God. He was going to give God the praises that he need. And as we look at David in that 51st Psalm and we studied about it, but we don't go down sometimes far enough in that 51st Psalm, verse 15. David is saying that, do not sentence me to death. My lips will be unsealed. My lips will always reveal. And I will give praises to God because I'm going to take the seal off my lips and I'm going to always give praises to God because David said, I was in a bad place. But I had lost my way. But David said, the Lord restored my way. And if you want to look at something else, look at John chapter 9, verse 25. Jesus had given sight to a man that was born blind, born blind, and Jesus healed him. And you know the Pharisees followed him around and always trying to say, you did this on the Sabbath day. And then they brought this man. First they got his parents and said, was this your son that was blind and all that? Then they got this man. And the man said, listen, they said, listen, that man that healed you, he was a sinner. Why is he healing you on the Sabbath? The man said, listen, I don't know about all that theology. I don't know about all that stuff you're talking about. This man say one thing. In verse 25 of that night. And there ought to be one thing that you ought to know. There ought to be one thing. Hallelujah. There ought to be one thing. This man say one thing that I know. I once was blind. But now I see. I don't know if he's a prophet. I don't know who he is. But I know one thing. One thing. One thing. I just want you to understand. One thing. I know for a fact that there was a force that carried me across that Tallapoosa River. I know there was a force that carried me beyond my ability to swim. One thing I know. I know there's one thing I know, and I told you the other night, other day, about that blood clot that was in my leg. There was one thing that I know, that God kept me. To keep that thing from going to my heart. One thing I know when I went to my doctor a couple of years ago right before Thanksgiving. And it looked like my appendix was about to rupture. And the doctor said, I got to get you. It's one thing that I know. He said, you got here just in time. I know the Lord kept me. One thing. One thing I know. One Saturday I was leaving the church going over to, to get me a sandwich at, 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 at uh Subway, that's where my wife helped me. Give my sandwich at Subway. That's why I eat on Saturday when my wife's too busy to cook. <laughs> but on my way to Subway, I forgot my newspaper and I came back in the church to get my paper. And by the time I got my paper and got up to, 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 to uh, Butterfield Road, time I got there, there had been a big accident. A car going 135 miles an hour had just ran into the back of a young lady and killed him right there, right before I met. If I had been there 10 minutes earlier, that could, I know the Lord kept me. One thing I know, 
What about you? What about you? Is it one thing that you give thanks for? See, when we eat Thanksgiving dinner, we go around the room and we say, one thing. Don't tell it all because we got to eat. <laughs> he said, give me one thing that you ought to know that God has blessed you with. There ought to be one thing that you ought to know. One thing. One thing that I know. That once I was a victim, but now I'm a victor. One thing I know, that there's nothing in life, there's nothing in death that can ever separate me from the love of God. There's one thing I know. When the Lord said, when his last, one of the last things he said on Calvary, he said, Shannon, it's finished. Now, he didn't use my name, but he said it was finished. I put my name there. So don't go looking at your Bible trying to find it. He said, it's finished. What's finished? He said, your salvation is complete. He said, now, Shannon, that you got your salvation. You got my protection. You got my provision. And you got my prosperity. You can walk in life because it is finished. It's done. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be there with you. It is absolutely finished. Are you out there? God is calling you this morning. There ought to be one thing. During this Thanksgiving holiday, there ought to be one thing that you know that God did for you. There ought to be one thing that you know that God continues to bless you with. Are you out there? Are you out there today? If you don't have a church home, if I were you, I wouldn't leave here the way I came. God is in the blessing business. He said, taste this. Taste this. Not from the mind. I can look over there at one of them cakes or something my wife had cooked. It looked good, but I got to taste it. He say, taste this and see that it's good. Have you ever tasted God? He wants you to taste this. During this holiday season, you ought to taste this by experience. You ever been sick? You ever been down and out? This, you, you cannot be depressed and read this 34th Psalm. You cannot be depressed. Anybody that's going through depression, have them to read the 34th Psalm. Because it says, in everything, in everything, in it, while you're in it, while you're in the fiery furnace, give thanks. Are you out there? God's calling you this morning. Out of a world of darkness, into his marvelous light.